Disclaimer, this podcast contains adult language. Hello there folks and welcome back to the Armchair Pundits with myself Lester Lindsay and Hammy Hamilton. This episode is going to be a, a sort of an update for all things Scotland in preparation for the Euros. We've seen two games this week, Scotland versus Holland and Scotland versus Luxembourg. Both very, very different games and you can take from what each game of what you will. Um, we're going to talk you through our thoughts on the games and how we think we look going into Euro 2020, however, let's be fucking honest, it's Euro 2021. Not quite sure why it's still getting called Euro 2020, Hammy. What's your opinions on that? Well, I'm calling the Euros for the merchandise and they'd already printed off all the, all the merch, the signage, stuff like that. But, I mean, that was your take on it. I'm not sure that they could just print it again with no, the amount no, of money floating about. They paid for the trademarks and stuff of it for Euro 2020. I fucking change it then, for fuck's sake. I mean, it was always my sort of understanding that the the sort of numbers after an event was the year that it would take place but that seems to not be the case anymore <laughs> so now nobody's really sure what you know when you you mentioned the world cup in 74 1974 what are they actually talking about are they talking <laughs> about the date that 1974 was or are they talking about how many fans attended the first game i mean <laughs> we'll never know now you know I, it's a bit roundabout. If you if you know the actual reason, please let us know at on Twitter at TA Pundits. That's at TA Pundits on Twitter. Also, we'll start plugging the Twitter. We may as well let you know throughout the Euros. We will be doing our best to give you news as it comes. Try to be the first to break stories to you. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at TA Pundits. We'll be giving you all news for all different games and most importantly, updates on Scotland as as they come. So make sure you're following us over there. Without any further ado, I think we should just get straight into the episode. Um, we watched today Scotland versus Luxembourg, which was um, I was excited for. I was expecting a good few goals. Um, possibly with hindsight, I should maybe have made my expectations more realistic with a Steve Clark side. Hammy, what was your take on the game? I think the scoreline was didn't do it justice. You know, one uh, 0 against Luxembourg and this Luxembourg team in the past few seasons. You know. The, I'm pretty sure they get a draw with France and stuff like that. So, at the end of the day, it is Luxembourg. They are one of the smallest countries in the world with the capital city being Luxembourg. But <laughs> looking at that on paper, you should be putting four or five past them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just the way that Steve Clark is setting up in preparation for the Euros, given that, you know, it's just round the corner. It's eight days away um, until we kick a ball, finally, after 23 years and uh, without a major tournament. But... I looking at the game, um, I mean, what can you say? We did take the lead through Shea Adams um, and literally about three seconds just before he scored, you said how, how poor he was playing. He so, was, he was poor. Nah, I know he was, but um, I thought London Dykes was really good. He had a really good chance, maybe after about 11 minutes. Um, it was an Andy Robertson cross and he managed to get his head on it. A terrific header, but it just hit the post and... Um, went out for a goal kick, but I thought, you know, the lead up to Shea Adams' goal, we had a lot of chances, and after that, I thought, right, okay, we've got, we've managed to break the deadlock here, and it's just about, you know, 
trying to get a few more. Keep the momentum going, aye. 100%, but obviously then the man gets sent off for them. Um, what was your thoughts on that one? Um, Selimanovic gets sent off. <laughs> <laughs> it was a definite red card, but you can't deny it. He seemed to be a bit annoyed. I think it's more frustration itself rather than anything else. I mean, Dykes is through one of them with the goalie. Um, great ball through for Shea Adams. As I said, I wasn't particularly keen on his game up until his goal. I thought just before the goal, he had a chance that came across. He jumped maybe a wee bit too early and missed the header. Um, made amends for it but about 20 seconds later though as you said I was giving him dogs abuse for those full 20 seconds until the ball went in um, no but the red card there's no there's, you can't argue about it um, interestingly enough the player that actually gets sent off he's the only player in that national team that plays his football in Luxembourg everybody else plays out with that league is that right aye? the only one aye that's a match that I would expect them all to be playing in Luxembourg to so be honest that when you play San Marino it's postmen and stuff so you're like thinking the same kind of calibre but obviously they have they hold a bit more pedigree in the world of football Luxembourg than San Marino yeah, yeah. well they must do I just didn't expect it to be honest aye they also had two brothers playing for them one of which will come on to a little bit later um, no but I thought the, the, the overall game it was it was a bit boring Let's be honest, but as we said earlier, it's a Steve Clark side. It's kind of what you expect to a Steve Clark side. Even when you're playing the likes of Luxembourg, he sticks with that rigid five at the back. Um, I think it's good practice to do so because it allows the player to train shape and games in those types of scenarios. But it's not, it's no training. As much as you can try and replicate a game, you can never get a game without playing a game. I feel like I need to stop saying the word game, but um, you understand what I mean. Uh, and. We, we, we dominated it. Luxembourg never for a second looked like they were going to capitalise on anything and make any opportunities. They had a tricky left winger, but he skinned himself more times than he did anybody else. Uh, and a few goals chopped off as well. Like Shea Adams had one in the back of the net, chopped off. Maybe a bit soft. It kind of went through the back end, but you see it a hundred times in a football pitch and a foul's never given. And Lyndon Dykes also had one chopped off, which you, you can't really argue against. It's similar to the red card. It's a decision that's made and you can't need to stand by it. Um, but I thought, as I said about the game, generally just boring. Aye, it was interesting his lineup just before the game because I thought it would possibly have been a good opportunity to give you know a debut to young Nathan Patterson. But you know, to me, it just kind of that lineup was you know this is what we're going to play with here. Uh-huh. You know, and that is maybe taking the likes of Declan Gallagher out of it and maybe putting Liam Cooper in there. But I think that was. The sort of because it is eight days away, we'll give the predicted what I feel is the strong guess lineup a, a run out, get the chemistry going, you know, get them playing some fluid football because the last time they actually all played together was, you know, a few months ago. Yep. Now, um or two months ago, sorry. But you know, they've not played a lot of football together. They've been back at their clubs. So now that they've came back into the fold, give them a wee run out together and um you know, the first game of the Euros, that'll that'll help them because they have played together very recently. So I think possibly for that reason, fair enough. But I do think something inside me, of course I'm going to support the team, but there's something inside me that goes, I I think it could be stronger. Aye, absolutely. Um, You've seen the two games announced, Netherlands and Luxembourg. You can assume we're going to take the Netherlands game very, very seriously. And not to say the Luxembourg games are, are walking the, the park. You seem to the scoreline, the fact they're playing against 10 men, it absolutely wasn't. But if, I, I, personally, I get the feeling that Netherlands was going to be our strongest team, and that was to see how well they played. And then Luxembourg was a chance to give 
of young boys. They run out, like you're talking about Nathan Patterson. I would also like to see Billy Gilmore start as well. We've seen him on the pitch for I think a grand total of seven minutes today. Um, but I'd like to have seen the young guys, maybe even Kevin Nisbet as well. These guys that you know are going to be called on at some point in the Euros. See what they're made of. Give them a start and see how they go on. Stephen O'Donnell's been tried and tested. We've seen him a hundred times. McGregor, the same as well. McGregor in the Scotland shot for me. He's never really done it. You've seen the performances that he's capable of at Celtic. Um, but in Scotland top, he's never really he's never really been that person that you, you can rely on in the midfield. I think Scott McTominay covers for a lot of his errors. And I would just like to see Billy Gilmore get a run out instead of him. Like We've seen it a hundred times. Try yeah. something different just to see what it's like and give yourself that. What's the word I'm looking for? The option, if you will. Like, Steve Clark could find out a, a full different kind of way to play football, possibly with the players like that and a, a bit of youth in this, the team. Too much experience. Ugh. That is what it is. That's it, really. But I thought the opportunity to play the young boys tonight, especially like 1 0 against a 10 men Luxembourg, does not fill those Scotland boys with confidence, I would imagine. I mean, you get the win, but after a 2 0 draw in the Netherlands, does that build on that confidence or does it detract from it? I, th- I think about it both, to be honest. Um, obviously you're still getting a win mm-hmm. which is good because the feeling after the game is you know, like any other win in football you've won the game, mm-hmm. the pressure's off your back now it's just about focusing on the Euros I'd like to have seen more but I, I think the full headline overcast in this specific game would be Billy Gilmore yeah. he made a 30 minute cameo, came on at half time for Cal McGregor, he then took a, a blow to the sort of face and in 30 minutes, he was unbelievable. And I think that's what's overcast Absolutely. this full game is that should Billy Gilmore start at the Euros because in that 30 minutes, he'd done more than anyone and he was comfortably the best player on the park. When he gets the ball, he was like a prime Iniesta. <laughs> and I am not joking when I say that. He, he was superb. And when you look at just his game and the way he went about it, we flick over the defender when he had that shot mm-hmm. away. You know, stuff like that. He's better than what you've got. And it's he's the same no shy of confidence, absolutely. He's, he's got that in bags. He's a Champions League winner. <laughs> what a week the guy's had, but he's a Champions League winner. Then four days later, he makes his Scotland debut. Mm-hmm. And now he's playing the night against Luxembourg. And he's, as you said, he's just he's not shy of confidence. He's, he's comfortably levels above most in the Scottish team. You know, you, you look at McTominay, outside of McTominay, Robertson, Tierney, who are all playing at the highest level you can possibly play at. And then look at the guys round about him, Declan Gallagher, Stephen O'Donnell, Lyndon Dykes can't even fucking get a game with QPR in the Championship. They're really struggling as well. Uh, Shea Adams, you know, they're no superstar players, Grant Hanley or all. No, he's just got promoted to Premier League, but, you know, bang average players, mm-hmm. you know, and Aye, Billy Gilmore, Champions League winner. He might not have played the most minutes, but is he better than what we've got? Then I think you need to play your strongest team. Absolutely. The only thing is, I think, is there is with Steve Clark, and I think it was Ewan for the Talk Levy podcast when he came on. No, it wasn't actually. It was Bill, Bill Orr when he was on. He mentioned about Steve Clark. He's really kind of turning almost Scotland from into that nation who picks players off of pedigree, he's turning it more into a club feel whereas the players all play for each other and they'll give absolutely everything for each other, I think that's the thing that Steve Clark's worked really hard at building and showing his loyalty in players like Stephen O'Donnell Declan Gallagher's and Callum McGregor's even though he's not been the best is he knows that those boys will cover every blade of grass for each other, they're not going to give up, the, the, the heart's there but I, 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 I can't help but agree with you, I think Billy Gilmore 
I, you know, you know my opinion on him before this, before I seen him for Scotland and then recently with Chelsea. I wasn't a massive fan of him. I think he was massively untested. But what I have seen of him, he does look an absolute player. Yeah, he looks a very good player. I mean, you consider even John McGinn plays with Aston Villa. Now he's played more minutes, but it's a lesser level. And you look at the impact that he has in the Scotland team. Billy Gilmore's more than capable of of the talent that he's got there now of producing those type performances. Uh, the the biggest issue. Again, it all comes out of that lack of experience, doesn't it? And it's the same thing you're going to see with Patterson. Steve Clark, he likes people that he can trust and he knows that he can trust. Billy Gilmore and Nathan Patterson, it's their first time in around the setup. They're not really his men yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They kind of need to be in a bit more for them to bred into the team. Aye, that's, that's a really good point that you make, actually. One that I was actually thinking about during the week is that you've got players there who are willing to give their all for the jersey. If Steve Clark gives them an instruction their ability to carry that out is something that is absolutely well it's got us to the Euros so far uh-huh. right? I think Scotland's philosophy and the way that they play at the present minute is with two left backs and we've seen it against yep, Holland, absolutely. You know, we've seen it against the Pharaohs maybe for the first time in a while then we went oh wait a minute here this could really work where... Remember you going off your nut on an episode as well talking about this Yep and I think Steve Clark must have listened to that <laughs> and um, we went in in that Holland game and the pressing was unbelievable uh-huh. You've got Robertson playing left wing back. You've got Tierney who's overlapping him and constantly. And by the way, they were as doing I said, against uh-huh. Frankie de Jong and Denzel Dumfries, they're not walking the parks here. High caliber players are talking about McTominay and Robertson and Tierney playing high level. Well, Frankie de Jong's a Barcelona. Well, the thing is, how do you set up against it? Do you know what That's I mean? Crazy, like, how, how do you set up for. Have we ever seen that in world football? You know, <laughs> you know literally, your centre half, how do you mark that? Your centre half. Is playing as a left winger and a centre half. Mm-hmm. It's never been seen in football, and that's what I love about football. Is someone comes up with these crazy ideas? Um, you know, people change formations and stuff like that. Like um, Bielsa, Marcelo mm-hmm. Bielsa, he's one of the first guys in the world to play with left and right wing backs. Yep. You know, and now that's just part of football nowadays. Um, there's loads Johan Cruyff the way he used to play Tiki Taka you know what I'm saying so Steve Clark could be honest on here I think Cruyff was total football was he not oh was that what it was was Tiki Taka oh so it was I well just you know you know what I mean you know what I'm getting at with the sort of philosophies that these guys bring in and something the world's never seen before is you're playing you know a Bielsa you know 3-5-2 whatever you want to say but you've got your centre-back, who is also a left-back, a very attacking left-back, and you're using those strengths. Mm -hmm. So I think if you've got that philosophy where Tierney is overlapping Robertson and Robertson's overlapping Tierney, I think if that's your philosophy, you need to have guys in there round about them that you can trust and who are willing to take on instruction. You know, Patterson, he's not really been in or about the Scotland squad ever. Yep. You know, this is his first call-up to be embedded. Whereas O'Donnell, he's been fed the instructions mm-hmm. for, for the last two years that, you know, this is a system we're going to play. You'll need to shuffle along a wee bit. When Tierney bombs forward, you'll need to come in a wee bit. I'd imagine the same has been getting said to Grant Hanley. John McGinn will need to fill him, you know, because you can't just leave yourself without a centre-half while the centre-half goes up to the left wing. You need to have guys in there who are willing to fill those gaps. You need to have guys in there who are willing to, you know, well, we've seen it against Holland, you know, Lyndon Dykes, my God, he worked his cell into the ground. It was pressing from the front. The thing you know? with Lyndon Dykes is he's no, 
his footballing ability isn't great, but he's just he's a really, really good at making a nuisance so He's just been an absolute nightmare for defenders, just occupying them, yep. open the space for others. Just to go back to your fullback point there before we move on, as we the O'Donnell and Patterson debate, as you're talking there about how Tierney likes to bomb up. We we know what kind of player Patterson is. We know he's an attacking fullback. We've seen it with Rangers. He gets up and his European debut, I think he scored in 16 seconds because he's willingness to go forward. Stephen O'Donnell isn't quite that player. He is a more defensive fullback. He's not a wingback as such. So it's almost like we play a back five, but it pivots to the left. Yeah. And you're going to have that same defensive coverage with Nathan Patterson that you get with Stephen O'Donnell. It's all very well and good saying Patterson's a better footballer. Like, I don't think he is now, but I think he definitely will be. He has he has the potential of a better football, but will he follow the instructions like O'Donnell says? Is that's that's the big question to him? No, I definitely won't. Which we'll go into that soon with my predicted lineup. But I think you need balance in the team. If you've got one side that are bombing forward, you can't have the other side also doing the same yep. thing. As I say, when when Tierney makes that run from centre half to the left wing position, you can't leave yourself exposed at the back. You'll need players to shuffle in. You'll need the players to to fill in for Tierney to, you know, and that's all part of the team game. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're willing to fill another guy's position while he goes and bombs forward, but when you've got at your disposal Andy Robertson and Kieran Tierney, play their strengths and then leave it up to the rest of the guys round about them to support them in doing that. That's, I was criticising Callum McGregor earlier. Um, just as we're more kind of talking about the Netherlands game, you, you feel we're both getting more positive. The kind of Luxembourg was a bit doom and gloom, but the Netherlands game, you seem to be a bit happier talking about that. Callum McGregor in the Netherlands game, his passing was absolutely woeful, right? It, it's shocking. But what I think Callum McGregor offers in that midfield, it's quite... It's quite. It's only really he offers it in, in the Scotland set. There'll be midfielders all around the world that do it, but I don't think there's any midfielder in the Scotland plethora of anybody that can be picked for the Scotland team that Callum McGregor offers is how deep we sit and we're going to play this is the way we're going to play against England you've seen it against Holland as we'll sit deep rigid 5-3-1-1 almost or a 5-4-1 is with that defence sits so deep and invites Netherlands to come on to you the midfield sits deep as well but what Callum McGregor does really well is when Netherlands split the lines between the midfield and defence he reads it amazingly picks up so many loose balls and just sprays it out wide. That's, I think, his best attribute is his yeah. ability to read the game. I mean, you've got a player like Scott McTominay next to him who can, as we, his physical presence, he's a bit of a bully. Yeah. He's a really, really strong guy. McGregor's more nimble. He's quick. He's that kind of player that cuts it yeah. out. And so many attacks against Holland was Memphis Depay, tight spaces around the box, tried to knock it past somebody, yeah. and McGregor cuts off his run. I thought he'd done that brilliantly. But going forward, I don't think he offers enough. Yeah. Aye, and you're just talking there about the Patterson O'Donnell debate. I think the question is now, McGregor, because you're not going to take McGinn out of the team, you're not going to take McDominay out of the team, absolutely not. But the big question now is, Cal McGregor or Billy Gilmore? I think that's, you know, these two young players are causing absolute havoc <laughs> in the Scotland team. But aye, just talking about the Holland game, unbelievable game. Um, Great result. Aye, a brilliant result. And if you said that before the match, um, you would have taken it, of course you would have. But it was like watching, obviously, I, I don't like to say this because it's on a greater stage. You're playing Memphis Dubai and Holland and stuff like that, Frankie de Jong. But it was like watching Kilmarnock. Like watching Kilmarnock. <laughs> it was, mate, it was. It was like watching you know, how the level's in this, right? So yep. you go from Kilmarnock who play Hibs, uh-huh. you know, and it was like that sort of game where Hibs were the favourites, but Kilmarnock were unbelievable the high press right mm-hmm. the full team working for each other the pressing was unbelievable pressing for the front christian dykes running themselves into the ground 
absolutely unbelievable. It was like watching Kilmarnock. It was the aggression for it all. It was like watching Kilmarnock, but on an international stage. Yeah. And, you know, there you go. It's Steve Clark's philosophy. He's, he's took what he knows for Kilmarnock. He's embedded this into the Scottish national team. Mm-hmm. And you've got better players round about him to do it, and I think it is working. Aye. And Holland, too, at, at the end of the game, I was gutted, absolutely gutted, because as you said, every player gave absolutely everything. Um, and it was so unlucky, that late, late free kick that they got, which was soft. There's no denying it was soft. I think it was a free kick, but it was it was soft. Memphis Depay does absolutely brilliant to put it in at the far post to tie it up at 2-0. Um, but what I thought was the most telling sign and the most kind of motivating thing about that is in years gone by Scotland lose that game 3-2 but they held on to that 2-0 draw like even with only a couple of minutes left of the game we throw that away 9 times out of 10 but we managed to stay rigid and hold on to that lead and that was without Andy Robertson and Kieran Tierney because they'd been took off Greg Taylor was on and Scott McKenna were on that was a weakened team that's what took Holland to get past us and it was already weakened because we had 7 players missing due to John Fleck's Covid scare like yep. that, that was a great result and we're talking about Netherlands a 2-0 draw and I'm saying I was devastated Netherlands tonight they beat Georgia 3-0 right pretty much the same team that they had out against us the Georgia's team that we've struggled to beat in the past you know what I mean we, Georgia's not an easy game for us uh, Georgia's your bogey team yep and the Netherlands have done them 3-0 and we got a 2-0 draw with them Netherlands are, like they're not one of the favourites to win the tournament but they're a great great side with some amazing footballers in that team well above the calibre of what Scotland can produce but on the day we looked the better team. I tend to disagree. You're saying there about, um, you know, years gone by, it would have been 3-2. I absolutely no. There's so many 2-2 draws <laughs> in there. Um, I think that's the story of Scotland, to be honest with you, is that we do always get a 2-2 draw. Uh-huh. And we did throw it away. You're saying that we managed to hold on. We did. Because it was a 95th minute free kick. It was 91st. 91st, is yeah. it? No, just dramatic effect. <laughs> 95th. But we threw it away. You know, 2-1 up. And we managed to throw it away. So if you're right, go go three two, then they could have scored two in a couple of minutes. You know what I'm saying? So I think we did throw it away. It was disappointing. And instead of if you're right, grow as a team. I mean, we're not playing Germany, as you said. We're playing Holland, yeah. who they never qualified for the last Euros. They never qualified for the last World Cup mm-hmm. because they have been struggling. It's not the greatest Dutch team that you've ever seen. You know, you've not got Iron Robin in there, Robin van Persie, Dirk out anymore. It's it is Memphis Depay, who he's, man, aye. Aye, he's great for Leon. 20 goals, I think he got for Leon this season, but he's nothing that special. He is a good player. Aye, he's been touted for Barcelona, but Barcelona are having their own struggles just now as well. Anyway, but I, I think just looking at that, I think if we're going to grow and improve as a team, we need to put these, oh, I had a bit in your hand off for all that behind us and yeah. go... It was actually disappointing, and we should have seen out the game. It's worrying that we can't see out games when it's two one. We we just can't do it. It's always two each. It was, uh, like I'm trying to make. I'm trying to take light out of a bad situation because we threw it. As they say, we did throw it away. But I'm trying to make light of it because we're going into the Euros. We need to be as positive as we can because the Scotland fans. That's all you have is positivity going into these tournaments. I mean, I don't know if you'll know it, but have you ever heard the song that we had for 1998? No. Have you never heard this, the World Cup song? No. It was Don't Come Home Too Soon. It was called, and it's this shitey, boring, depressing song yeah. of Don't Come Home Too Soon, giving it, essentially saying, don't be too shite. Do you know what I mean? Aye. Go there, have fun. Don't be too shite. <laughs> Try and get out of the group stages, which is something that I can't think of the last time we'd ever managed to get out of a group stage. I don't think we ever have. Yeah. It's, it's, so this group, and I know we spoke about it at the time, but I feel possibly the most confident 
of any of the groups, that was the best we could have got. Because England is just one team. If it's England or France, there's a bit there for England for the Scotland boys. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a yeah. derby. Anything can happen in a derby game. You, you, England are obviously going to be the favourites and rightfully yeah. so. They've got, they've got a better team than us. Aye, I mean, look at Hamilton and Motherwell this year. You know, anything can happen. Anything can happen. <laughs> that's it. Only I'm wanting the team in red and white to lose this time. <laughs> <laughs> but England's best team we could have got. Czech Republic, we've got a good record against them. In Croatia, they were good. They got to the World Cup final. A lot of their players are starting to age now. I don't think Luka Modric in the setup. They're kind of in a transitional period. This yeah. is possible one of the best groups we could have got to get out of the group. I'm trying to be as positive as possible going towards the Euros. Yep. And I think now that we're moving on to Euros, I think we're ready for your lineup. So what is it we've got here? Is it a predicted 11? Is it your preferred 11? I preferred what I'd like to see. What I think I should go with. If I was Steve Clark. These are the boys that I would line up against the Czech Republic. Right, okay. Just thought it's best to clear it up, you know. Yeah, do you want me to go for it? Oh, yep, let's hear right, it. Right, okay, so the formation is a 3-4-2-1. Right, okay, so pretty standard Steve Clark then. Yeah, right? so you don't disagree with that so far? Well, I would call it a 5, personally, but if I want to go with 3, No, it's enough. 3, mate. No, I know, but because we have the, the wing-backs, one attacks and one doesn't, I would tend to call it a five. Right, three. So, in goals, <laughs> we'll go with none other than Marshall. I don't think you can disagree with that. That's what you'd like to see. Fair enough, yep. Yes. Right, yes. of course, David yep, Marshall. And goals, he's the guy who got us there. So, I mean, Andy Considine isn't there, which is disappointing because that's one of the bits apart of taking out it. So, it needs to be Marshall. Um, after his heroics, not even I'm not talking about the heroics when he saved the penalty, I'm talking about just after he saved the penalty, <laughs> the heroics, so he has to be in there for me, the three at the back I've went with Grant Hanley, Liam Cooper and Kieran Tierney right, okay um, Grant Hanley because I think just he's been instrumental in Norwich getting to the Premier League this season Um He's had a sort of second chance at the Scotland shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to go and watch him in 2014 and wonder how I was sitting in the stands and he was playing. <laughs> um, couldn't header a ball, couldn't pass the ball, very slow, and he played alongside Russell Martin um, and a Gordon Stratton, four at the back. So it was very, maybe because he had pissed around about him, it was that bad. But he's had a second chance, and ever since he's came back in, he's looked very solid. So I've went with Grant Hanley in there. Gordon Stratton, like. I can't remember what game it was we went to, but we went to a game and every player in the back line was left footed. So Kieran Tierney was at right back, Charlie Mulgrew, um, Russell Martin, I think it was, then Andy Robertson, plus Craig Gordon. So every player in the back line was left footed. That's crazy. crazy. No balance at all. So then I've went with Liam Cooper. Um, to be honest, he's never actually shown me Scotland. Nah, I totally agree with you. Um, but there must be something in there. He's a Leeds captain for crying out loud. And... I think that could be improved. Both Grant Hanley and Liam Cooper as a very weak spot in the team. Yep. I think that's there in black and white for everyone to see. If we had a guy who played week in, week out for a top six Premier League club, it'd be in there no bother. Even a Rangers or a Celtic player could make it in there. Mm-hmm. But we don't have that at our disposal. So I think, you know, it's up for debate with these two positions. And if a young player such as a Nathan Patterson or whatever had to come through, then in a centre-back position or a Billy Gilmore, you know, then you're looking at that and you're maybe swapping them out. It is a very weak point in the team, to be honest. But Personally, I would still like to see Gallagher over Hanley. As you said, Hanley's had a lot of chance in a Scotland top and never done it, and Gallagher's never put a foot wrong for a Scotland top for me. For a Scotland top. And a Scotland top. <laughs> but for a Scotland top and a Scotland top, I think Gallagher, and this is a Hamilton fan plug and a Motherwell player here, right? But honestly, no, I, would, I would rather see Gallagher start than... Hanley. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> I, just, 
I think it's just there because he's not made a mistake yet. Aye. But there's a, there's more likelihood that he would... Because that that's what you're cautioning for as a defender. Mm-hmm. Going yep. in these games, if you're not putting a foot wrong, is you not making a mistake. You know, because every defender knows how to clear yeah, their lines clear and stuff like that. But it's, it's that chance that you give away a goal or you look a bit shaky like a Graham Shinney against Kazakhstan. How disastrous 30 <laughs> minutes that was for him. It's, it's the nice. likelihood in that happening, but... It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've went with Grant Hanley, Liam Cooper, and of course, Kieran Tierney. Yep. Um, spoke about it earlier on, playing with two left-backs. If he's not there, we're not playing with two left-backs. Same with Andy Robertson. So the two wing-backs, I've went with Stephen O'Donnell, which was... You went O'Donnell, eh? I went O'Donnell. It was I a was very... honestly glad we were going to go Patterson. No, it's... Listen, I've hummed and hawed. He was the last name in the team sheet. So it's the fucking right backs now. We seem to have found a problem. We seem to have found a solution for the left backs. Just pay two, just play two left backs. Left backs. Yeah. But now we've got a right back issue in Steve O'Donnell and Nathan Patterson. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sick of being Scottish. You know that. I know it's fucking pish being Scottish. <laughs> but um, I've went with Stephen O'Donnell and Andy Robertson. The Stephen O'Donnell one is genuinely for the reasons that we discussed earlier on. Mm-hmm. I would like to see us exploit the two left backs. And I think Nathan Patterson is definitely more forward-thinking than Stephen O'Donnell, plus the fact that Stephen O'Donnell's been in and around that squad for the best part of, I don't know, 18 months, something like that, and Nathan Patterson has literally just been called up. So when you look at it like that, I think that Stephen O'Donnell will be willing to... I think, see when when you've got a player there, Mm -hmm. right? And you, you have someone like Stephen O'Donnell who... You can tell that he knows he's punching above his weight. The way he talks is as if it's an absolute honour for him to put on that shirt. And he'll be sitting just now wondering, as his plays, given how well Nathan Patterson played tonight against Luxembourg, he'll be worried that his Scotland place is up for grabs. So I think when you have that and you have players not knowing for sure the uncertainty around their place in the squad, I think they're willing to give more. That's a great thing for the squad, because eh? they want they want to make sure they're holding on to that position. They're going to give yeah. their 110%. I don't know how that annoys you, the 110%, but they're going to give that extra, they're going to go the extra mile to make sure they're the name on the team sheet, eh? Exactly, so they're more willing to take instructions. Doing anything, like if Steve Clark asked him to go in there and start skegging players, he'd probably <laughs> do it, just so that he's listening to his manager and he'll maybe get picked for the next game after that. So I think just because he is a bit more defensive than Nathan Patterson, He's not your, your modern-day fullback. He obviously does go forward and stuff like that. But when you're talking about him in comparison with Patterson, he does tend to sit back a wee bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that would allow the transition of playing with two left-backs to work, you know? I think the, mo- the, the way you're going to see Nathan Patterson the most, and I think the only way we're going to see him properly in the Euros is if we're 1-0 down with 20 minutes to go. It's a more attacking option, O'Donnell. He'd more likely come on then. Yeah. But in the same breath, would I have him over James Forrest in that situation? Yeah, 100%. Right wing back? Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. honestly don't know. No, I don't rate Forrest as a right wing back. If you're going to play Forrest, you play him in his natural habitat. No, I'm saying? But we've seen him play there against Holland and he was actually alright there against Holland. He's not been great for Celtic with that, that role. Like at the start of the season, it was a nightmare in that position. It caused Celtic Hawkins a bother. But against the Netherlands, he looked comfortable. No, he hides in that position. He does. He really, really does. He does it with Celtic as well. He's no James Forrest. You don't play... 
you, you, you wouldn't play Messi at centre half. Ah, you wouldn't put Michael Schumacher on a golf course because you probably wouldn't know what he was doing. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? So you wouldn't play him in the Masters. <laughs> like, it's just unfamiliar. It's no, it's no right. So the three and oh sorry, well obviously I went with a three four two one. So um, O'Donnell and Robertson they are including in that four in the four, middle. Yeah. The other two that I've got the sort of holding midfielders are. Scott McTominay, because mm-hmm. Scott McTominay is the first name in that That's team. The sheet. Of truth here. You, I say it every week. You pulled the team run about Scott McTominay. Is it McGregor or is it Gilmore? It's Gilmore. You went Gilmore over I went with Gilmore just sheerly based on the fact that I think he's potentially one of the better players in the full squad. Mm-hmm. I think he's on par with probably Scott McTominay and John McGinn. Right, just okay. gave away one of my other positions there. But, um, <laughs> no, honestly, mate, like Cal McGregor. It was tough, I'm not going to lie, it was tough between this, but I think if you want to improve, you need to play the better player. Callum mm. McGregor, for me, doesn't do it for Scotland. He certainly does it for me for Celtic, uh-huh. and I think he could go on to the heights. I know that he's linked every 20 minutes with the Leicester um, midfielders. Role. Why am I saying Leicester midfielders <laughs> for the for the Leicester job? He <laughs> moved to Leicester. Aye, so he's touted for that every five minutes on social media. I get that, he's a terrific player, but it's Billy Gilmore we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. He came on the night and done more in half an hour than Callum McGregor's done these 30 caps for Scotland. Like He's just that player that you need in there. He's fearless, he's not shy of confidence, and he'll light up the Euros. A bit like Renato Sanchez in the 2016 mm-hmm. yep. Portugal squad. He was so young, he came in, and he was unbelievable, and he won young player of the tournament. So My question I think- is, if we have a full selection of midfielders available, so we're talking really just Kenny McLean and Ryan Jack, Yep. does Billy Gilmore still start for you? 100%. Really? Yeah, I think Callum McGregor starts over Ryan Jack and Kenny McLean. Right, okay. Um, because we've not seen much of Ryan Jack this season. Uh-huh. You know, so I think j- just sheerly based on form and, you know, minutes played and fitness and blah, 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 it would have been Callum McGregor. Yes, it's... Um, th- it's, there's no bias in it, is it, if that's what you're trying to get to? No, 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 because I think Ryan Jack, when he plays for Scotland, has been marginally better than McGregor, because you've seen the two of them play together, but I think Ryan Jack always, you notice him a bit more than McGregor. McGregor, yeah. as you were talking about Forrest going missing, I think McGregor's really guilty of that in a Scotland top. Yeah, so I've went with Billy Gilmore, because, and by the way, I, would, I wouldn't be, I would be shocked, but I wouldn't be, like, gobsmacked if I seen Gilmore against the Czech Republic. In the starting lineup, mm-hmm. he's a hard man. He's fair dressing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe you said that. Nah, fuck me. What's he talking about? I know. Salt coat's loyal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously I've got me a three, four, two, one. So I've mentioned the three. I've mentioned the four. So the two, the two that I've got sitting in behind the striker. I've already told you one. It's John McGinn, Ryan Fraser. And Ryan Fraser. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be. Can't disagree with that. I think, and then the one up top, I've got Lyndon Dykes. I think when you have that combination of Ryan Fraser and Lyndon Dykes, it really did work. Mm-hmm. And it literally got us to the Euros as well, um, given the, the semi final against Slovakia. I thought, uh, sorry, Israel. But, um, and also in you know the playoff final, they were terrific as well. I think that combination just really does work. Mm-hmm. It's like big and large, you know. Little and large, aye, that's it. Aye. Um, One's really, really quick. We mentioned earlier on about Lyndon Dykes being a handful yeah. and creating space. If Ryan Fraser's got the electric pace that he's got, I mean, I think he's much the same as James Forrest, to be honest. I think Ryan Fraser's maybe the better player, but I think they're quite similar in the way they play. Lyndon Dykes creates that space and occupies defenders. It opens up a lot of space for Ryan Fraser to do the intricate kind of work that he's capable of and get the ball into the box or have the shot itself. 
Yeah, he's definitely such a small team, by the way, that I've mentioned, but much is the Scotland team. Are you wouldn't be a place in there. No, I, I certainly <laughs> would, well, I would, because I'm about 20 stone now. But, <laughs> but this boy played for Scotland, <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, it's just, I think that would really work, that combination. Hmm? I just really want to see McTominay, Gilmore and McGinn. I've, I think they're streets above everyone else, and, you know, I think that could really work. Aye, it's an interesting take on it because obviously you're, you're kind of rocking the boat a bit there with Gilmore for the his first ever start in a Euros match. That would be my only kind of qualm with it is do you hand somebody their first ever start in such a big game? But it'd be so Scotland not to do that and kind of stint Gilmore's development. Do you know what I mean? Overthinking it. Like if the guy's as good, if the guy's as good as he, he seems, Man City. Like, oh, this is going to be a bit of a long rant here, right? But Man City this year have been nothing short of phenomenal. They've been absolutely brilliant. They've been sweeping teams aside. And I've watched quite a lot of the Man City football this year. And the best player that's worked at closing down their midfield has been Billy Gilmore. And that 2-1 cup final, I think it was the FA Cup. Was it the FA Cup? Semi? I can't remember what game it was, but Man City lost to Chelsea 2-1. And Billy Gilmore ran the game for the midfield. He completely dominated Man City's midfield. And we're not talking slouches here. We're talking some of the best players in the world, like Kevin De Bruyne, Gundogan's, and Fernandinho's and Rodri's. Billy Gilmore ran that game. He yep. absolutely controlled that game. And... He had them all in his back pocket. He was fantastic. Yeah. But there's that's a massive game for him. Do you know what I mean? Like he's also got quality round about him. At Scotland, he doesn't have quite the same amount of quality round about him. He's got players like as you mentioned, Stephen O'Donnell, Liam Coopers, Callum McGregor's possibly. Like that's the only difference there for me. Is is he capable of doing it in a lesser side? I think th- I think he will be, and I wouldn't be surprised if Steve Clark had a wee curveball in there. You know, I think it's taking that Scotland team that I've just mentioned, right? And if you're going to do predicted lineups, there's always maybe two or three positions in there that are up for grabs. The rest of it kind of picks itself. Yep. You know, you know for sure that Tierney's going to start. Well, for sure it's going to be, you know, Marshall and goals, Robertson playing alongside them, McTominay, McGinn, um, Lyndon Dykes, Ryan Fraser. You know for sure that that's going to be the lineup that he's going to go with, bar a few players. So, you know, the way that England are going to be setting up against Scotland, they might be a wee bit shocked when they f- they find out that someone who can control games is actually starting against them. Yeah. And that is that player of Billy Gilmore. Um, he's a much... I just think, looking at the team sheet, you would rather he was on it than Callum McGregor for me. Aye, the, the only criticism is he's still a bit slight, isn't he? He's still a bit lightweight. If you're coming up against maybe not England because they're no particularly not a particularly physical mm-hmm. team in the midfield either, but you're Croatia, they're a, they're a physical team. Like it's a Brozovic and Kovacic in that midfield. There's a potential for them to get bullied there, which is my worry. But then suppose you get McTominay and McGinn, who are very very physical players as well. They know how to use the body really well. And that, would that necessarily be Gilmore's job to go toe to toe with them? Listen, see if it was 1984 World Cup, I would be worried. But the way the game's going nowadays, look at Phil Foden for example. Yeah. The way the game's going nowadays is it doesn't matter if you're the wimpiest guy on the football pitch. Well, I think it depends on your position, doesn't it? Because you can get away with that as a winger, but if you're playing holding midfield, there's a reason they tend to be bigger players, stronger players and more physical is because you do require that kind of... the physicality You can still go down easy if you're playing centre mid. Sorry? You can still go down easy if you're playing oh, centre Oh, absolutely. Mid. You're just less likely to get the foul and it's a risk. Interestingly enough, though, you never mentioned Shea Adams. A lot of people think Shea Adams over London Dykes. Obviously, London Dykes got off they get off to a flyer for Scotland, scoring two goals. Um, scored tonight. Yeah, and he, he, he has... He got chopped off right enough. But um, 
Oh, well, he got the first one. <laughs> she Adams? Yeah. I'm sorry, no, I was talking about Lyndon Dykes there, sorry. Lyndon Dykes hit the ground on him when he started for Scotland. He got his two oh, goals. Right, people criticising, saying he's kind of fizzled out. Right. Especially with his form at QPR, as you mentioned earlier, he can't get a game and he can't score a goal. Shea Adams playing with Southampton almost week in, week out and doing well. What was the logic? I, I totally agree with you, Lyndon Dykes over Shea Adams, by the way, but what's the logic there in, in that selection? Just, again, a bit similar to how I've picked Stephen O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. Just players who are willing, players who have been there, players who have the nucleus in the team uh-huh. for the get-go, they have to be in there because, one, they got is there, and two, they'll know the philosophy that this team... I mean, see, when Steve Clark took over the Scotland job, Alex McLeish had, had riddled them. Uh-huh. You know, absolutely terrified off of Russia, mm-hmm. get pumped 3-0 off of Kazakhstan. <laughs> we were in a real crisis. Yep. And the way that this team is shaping up now is that you've got more than one player capable of playing in each position. Uh-huh. You know, the team no longer picks itself. Obviously, as I said, apart from seven or eight positions, it, it certainly does. Yep. But you've got players there, you know. Um, if Robertson get injured, for example, you've got guys like Greg Taylor there who who'd be willing to fill good in. Backup, yep. like you've got good backup and you've got a really good solid team there. So it's a bit similar to the Stephen O'Donnell in that Lyndon Dykes suits the system. That is why I've went with him. He suits the system and you can just see it already. Andy Robertson gets the ball. This is against England, by the way. He gets the ball. <laughs> he passes it in to Billy Gilmore. Billy Gilmore flicks over I don't know, Jordan Henderson won't be playing. Declan Rice flicks it over his head, plays a pass through to Kieran Tierney, who's sprinted for centre half. He's pumped the ball into the box, and Lyndon Dykes there on to head it on. What minute? 84th. Ah, right, okay. Interesting. Yeah. You put a bet on that. What would you think that would be on that? Oh, greater than the one that we put on the night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I was just checking that there. It's not given. I've not became. Um, I'm not two and a half grand richer, sadly. Um, both me and Harry myself put bets on tonight to see. Well, we're wanting to go to the Scotland England game, but the ticket prices are just ridiculous. So we agreed we would stick a five pound bet on for the returns of two and a half grand. Either they can, we would buy tickets and get the travel sorted so we could go to that game. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. It's definitely no, because uh, Leganis are now two one down to Rio Vallecano. So so yours is knackered. Mine's is knackered. And done me because it's finished one 0 Germany under 21s are 1-0 up as well. Well, I had that. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm, I had Germany win 1-0, but... Right, yeah. should we go into the quiz before we just end up talking about a bet? Yes. Right, okay, I've, I've prepared the quiz for you this week. And perhaps, unsurprisingly, I've went with a Scotland-themed quiz. Right, the name okay. of the episode, Scotland the Brave, I've spoke about Scotland, we've managed to avoid talking about that Partick Thistle signing announcement we McCall up until that point. And there's been a lot of good things in Scottish football. Like generally, we would have took the piss about, but we've kept it Scotland. So, I've went with a Scotland quiz. I'll just state the rules for anybody who's new here. Hammy has one minute to answer ten questions, which works out at six seconds per question. If you don't know the answer, Hammy, remember you can skip. Shout out, Neil. You can <laughs> skip if you don't know the question. If you skip it, I'll come back to you at the end. We'll go over it at the end, and we'll have a bit of a laugh at what you've got wrong. Right, okay. Right. So, your time starts as soon as I finish the first question. Okay. Who is the only Scotland player to score back-to-back hat-tricks? Snodgrass. Who was the last Scotland player to score at a major tournament? Um, Tom Boyd scored an own goal. Which player in the Euro if 2020 squad... If that counts, squad, if no, it'll be John Collins. Which player in the Euro 2020 squad has the most international goals? 
Um, John McGinn. Who took the first penalty against Serbia? McTominay. Who has the who, sorry? Who was the last player to score a hat trick for Scotland? McGinn. What is Scotland's all-time highest FIFA ranking? Eighth. What is Scotland's all-time record victory? Uh, Ireland. Against Ireland. Is it 11 now? Scotland's famously played the first ever international football match against England, but in what year? Uh, 1872. Finish the lyric. We're on the march with Ali's army. We're going to the Argentines. Who was Scotland's last foreign manager? Barry Vogues. Right, okay. Question number nine. I actually asked you before. We'll come back to it, but I asked you before and I gave you a second bite of the cherry. Right, okay. So we'll go through the questions. Question one. Who is the only Scotland player that scored back-to-back hat-tricks? You said? Who did I say again? Uh, Robert Snodgrass? You said Robert Snodgrass. I said Stephen Fletcher. Fletcher. So it is. Back-to-back against it Gibraltar. Yes. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, before Stephen Fletcher scored that hat-trick, we waited something like... 56 years for a player to score a hat-trick and then he scores yep. two and two games. Mate, I'm absolutely gutted about that one. <laughs> Actual gutted. I knew it. I knew it as soon as Robert Snodgrass left my mouth. I knew it was going to be Fletcher. Um, who I was, was at both of the games, I know. Well, yeah, aye, aye. The Were one you in, that one as well? Aye, I was at the one. It was in Faro in Portugal. Oh, that stadium that was... Estadio Algarve. Ah, right, okay. Question two was, who was the last Scotland player to score at a major tournament? The own goal wasn't counted. It was actually Craig Burley. That was the last player oh, so to it was. score at a major tournament. So it was, mate. Um, not John Collins, so I'm not giving you that one. Ah, that was the opening game when we played Brazil. John Collins scored a penalty. And then the, the Brazilians equalised We I can't remember the guy's name. And then it was a, it was settled with a Tom Boyd on goal in the 1-2-1. But I am... Totally fucking, I'm thinking the first game for some reason. I knew it was Craig Burley, I know, I'm kicking myself there. Uh, you've, you've given me a full scenario, but you're still not getting the point. Which player in the Euro 2020 squad has the most international goals? You said John McGinn, that is correct, with 10. Who took the first penalty against Serbia? You said Scott McTominay. I'm actually amazed you never got this one right, because we've done a full segment on this after the game. It was Lee Griffiths. Yeah, we spoke about his character and how much that pressure was him, and he still put it away. Bastard. Um, question number five, who was the last player to score a hat-trick for Scotland? You get John McGinn. Mm-hmm. That was correct. It was yeah. against San Marino. Yes. That was dramatic effect. I was trying to build there. Right. Question six What is Scotland's all time highest FIFA ranking? It was 13th. Oh, I think what it? you're getting confused with is that was in 2008. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely <laughs> wasn't it, but okay. <laughs> I'm trying to bail you out the shit here. <laughs> um, what is Scotland's all time record victory? It was against Ireland. What was the score you gave? I said 11 now. Was that, it 14? 11 now is correct. Uh, question so I got that right then? You got that one correct, Fuck yep. you. Scotland famously played in the first ever international football match against England, but in what year? 1872. 1872 is correct. Why did that stick in your head? Oh, no, we can say no this clue. now. We can what? say this now. Uh, famous Glasgow Rangers. <laughs> Finish the lyric. We're on the march with Ali's army. We're going to the Argentines. You got it correct this time. The last time what you said to me was... Um, the dreadful pandemic from yeah, the I know, it's Andy Cameron's rendition of the pandemic using his old song for 1978. And it was actually you, the last time we done this, asked me to ask you that question so you could sing it and still got it wrong. That's <laughs> why I put it back in. Um, and who was Scotland's last foreign manager? It was indeed Bertie Volk. So we'll just go through this and tally up your marks and see how you got seven. this week. A seven? I think. Right, okay. you, you confirm. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I've got a six or I've just added one extra on because you can sometimes get away with that. Seven, seven out of ten. Seven. That was, that's a valiant effort, to be fair. It beats yeah. my average. I've had yeah. dreadful start as well, I may add. Yeah, valiant boilers. You got question one, two, and four wrong. 
So you had a poor start, but you managed to regain composure. Hammy, well done. Ah, cheers. A seven, I usually get a seven, don't I? Because I get a six, so you just have to be that <laughs> one. <laughs> Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening to the podcast. It really does help. As I said earlier on, we're going to be doing a lot, a lot of coverage over the Euros. Both me and Tammy have actually took a lot of time off our work to watch this Euros and give as much information as you can. So if you can support us over at Twitter at TA Pundits, that's at TA Pundits at Twitter, that would be absolutely fantastic. You can, of course, follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. On Apple Podcasts, you have the luxury of leaving a review as well. Now, we ask if you leave a review, make it five stars. And if it's not five stars, then don't fucking bother. Cheers, Jim. Cheers, Jim. Cheers, Jim.